You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. This is Patrick Bexel. We're going into the top five of the top 25, under 25. Um, we have a very special guest here, site manager for our sister site, Second City Hockey, and uh, Dave Melton. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Patrick. It's my pleasure to be here. Um, well, you guys should see his office. You know, the punk rock <laughs> posters behind him are, are... I'm going to be distracted. I'm just going to give it that. Like, But we're here, obviously, since we've got Second City on and, and uh, uh, Dave on. You know, we're going to have to talk about Kirby Dak. Uh, mm-hmm. Recently signed with the Montreal Canadiens. A very good contract, I think. Um, 3.2 over a couple of years was four years still an unrestricted free agent or restricted free agent when he goes out i don't have the notes in front of me and i'm sorry for being a bad bad host but uh, yeah very very interesting we waited for this the rumor has it or they've confirmed it that the uh, deal was in place before they picked Uri Slavkovsky as number one in this year's draft and then they shipped off alexander romanov for number 13 to trade for kirby dach from uh, chicago blackhawks so it was, they knew they were getting a center anyway. And mm-hmm. down the line in the draft, we saw them picking some very interesting centers as well with Meshar and uh, Owen Beck as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they filled up the cupboard. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Dave, uh, first and foremost, how is things going? Um, well, I, I guess they, they, we're, we're in a situation where we know the Hawks are going to be bad. So, like, the expectations could not be any lower. Um, so, from that perspective, I guess uh, you can't be disappointed when your expectations are on the ground. So, so that's nice. I, after, after last season where, like, I think the most optimistic take we could offer is maybe they'd compete for a playoff spot, and then they lost, uh, I think, 10 of their first 11 and quickly reminded us that, no, they're not going to do that. And then all the other stuff happened as well. I think we're just uh, – uh, I, I don't know if I am fully – uh, uh, ready for how long the, an 82 game season is going to be when your organization that you cheer for is actively doing everything in their possible uh, in their power to not win games. Um, you know, just just as a pro tip here, you know, talk prospects. <laughs> oh, I, well, I, I've already like we've already been charting out like you know the the Hawks minor league team is roughly a two hour drive from where I live. Um, the University of Notre Dame is about an mm-hmm. hour away. There's a few prospects there, and the, all the Hawks college prospects will roll through there. So uh, I don't know if I'm going to go to a single Hawks game because I'd rather like the team on the ice, you know, I don't know uh, how much I want to watch Max Domi as a top line forward, but that that's well, what they're at. <laughs> it's a good draft to bottom out in as well. Uh, you you know, know, that's, it's just. Be it, bad it, for Bedard. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it, it is a, it's kind of a scary thing when it seems like their entire organizational philosophy right now is let's go get Connor Bedard and it's not a guaranteed thing it's really hard to be the worst team in the NHL and no, even I if you are, we did it last year it was very easy <laughs> <laughs> well and even if you are the worst team in the NHL you still might not get the number one pick because there's still a lottery involved yeah. so and but uh, it's a good draft in general you would assume that Mitchkov is still going to be at number three or four because of the Russian factor and the long contract mm-hmm. and there are other players that are coming up and we I wouldn't surprise me if someone jumps the list a little bit a similar way to U.S. Alkovsky. There are no Olympics to perform in this year, but mm-hmm. men's league will carry a little bit more weight. 
probably, and uh, especially if you put up some numbers. Uh, going back though, um, one of the uh, very good entries and and uh, performances on your top twenty five under twenty five the recent years has been Kirby Dach, and mm-hmm. really he's is not an unknown, but he's right. not very well known for Montrealers. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell us about him? Uh, it's just it's been his entire situation has just been. Uh, like a roller coaster ride for lack of a better term. It just, you know, there was there, there's a lot of belief that he was rushed to the NHL. Um, whether that was for uh like PR purposes by the team or just because they wanted to get him up there as soon as possible. Like he might have benefited from another year in the juniors where he just, you know, went back to Saskatoon and put up a point and a half per game and uh, just completely dominated that league because he didn't really have that year. Uh, he was very good in his last year before he got drafted, but he wasn't quite like the, you know, Connor Bedarding his way through the juniors as a, to use that as a verb. But, um, you know, he showed a lot of promise and I, we were talking about this a little bit before, but uh, there was, there was so much promise out of Kirby Doc in the bubble in 2020 in that nine game sample where the Hawks beat the Oilers and then lost to the Knights. Um, Kirby Doc might have been their best player at, at minimum. He was their best center. Uh, and, and then, you know, when he came back for the, the, the pre-tournament game against Russia and broke his wrist, it just seemed like everything went downhill from there. And there was also, you know, the Hawks had plenty of the off-ice drama. Um, they had, they, they fired their coach 10 games into a season. Uh, and then they, they brought up their AHL level coach to replace him. So the entire Hawks organization has been in a very tumultuous state for the last few years. And when you take a number three draft pick and throw him into the middle of that, um, maximizing potential is not necessarily going to happen. And I think that was, it's part, you know, Kirby Doc's not developing as well as everyone wanted him to. And also the organization didn't do him any favors. Indeed. And uh, you, you have, it, it seems like, and this is from afar and, and obviously very far from the other side of the pond, but, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it also seems a little bit like, does he have a problem with the confidence? Because when things go well, it goes really well. And when things goes a little bit bad, it goes the other way around. Yeah, it, I, it does seem like there is something between the ears that's not quite clicking with Kirby Doc. And that's it's that's a very hard thing of, from an outside perspective, whether you're across the pond or not. It's a very hard thing to uh, to quantify because I, I don't I've never talked to Kirby Doc before. But there, like it seemed like there were times where you could like see the wheels turning in his head when he was trying to make a play of like, what should I do in this situation? And then you, you take that half second to think, and you don't have that half second in the NHL. And then the defenders on him, the back checks caught up, whatever. Um, like his, his best part of the game, like his transition game was always pretty good. Like when it was, you know, get the puck on his stick, get it off to his winger, you know, break out pass from his own end. Like those parts of the game were always good, but whenever he got, it seemed like when he got into the offensive zone and there was like the, the moment of creativity with uh, like, you know, we get to watch Patrick Kane a lot. Patrick Kane is instantaneous of like, I'm going to shoot this. I'm going to pass this, whatever. And that's part of what makes him so effective is he usually knows what he's doing before the puck gets to him. Kirby doc seemed like he was half a second behind in that thought process. And that was part of the reason why he was, uh, less than effective on the uh, on the offensive side of the game indeed and um you you, you would say like um he's he's very good at zone entries and exits mm-hmm. but yeah. where does 
you know what happens between that and and after that and and that's where it comes in and and do you think that if you surround him by maybe better players than he played with in 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 the lineup because in it seems like he's being penciled in at the moment or, or sooner rather than later will be a second line center and that and, yeah like that it, it may be I guess the the hesitancy I would have with that and um, with like whenever Doc was paired with Patrick Kane, it always seemed like he deferred to Patrick Kane too much. Like it was get the puck across the blue line and then find 88. And that like not necessarily the worst strategy in the world, but at times like, you know, there were situations where Doc needed to go to the net and shoot or create a scoring chance himself. And he didn't do that. He tried to defer to Kane because Patrick Kane's good at hockey. Um, so I, I think that, that kind of goes back to the confidence thing where there are situations where he needs to make the play himself. And so if he's put online with better skaters, if if he if they can sort it out between the years to the part where he can create himself, uh, create plays for himself and for others at the same time, like it, in theory, it could absolutely work out. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, getting Doc to understand the situations where, you know, where he needs to pass or he needs to make the play himself. Cause there are, there were so many instances last season where, um, you know, Twitter screaming, shoot the puck all at once in all caps. And with Doc, there's a lot of times where those screams were absolutely justified because he just didn't, he had a scoring chance himself and he didn't take it. Do you still see him as a prospect or a project uh, or, or has he reached his uh, ceiling? I, I lean closer to project. Like I, there's still gotta be something there. I, I think one of our other staffers, uh, LBR, was adamant about like that, that there's something there and I'll give her credit because she, she was the one always talking us off the ledge when we were like ready to trade doc in the middle of last season. And like the, the player we always came back to was Sean Couturier from the flyers mm-hmm. who had, you know, had a whole bunch of injury issues bounce around. And then after three or four years, something just clicked for him. And now he, and he became a very good NHL player. Like there's still, there's still something within Kirby doc to, unearth i guess would be the word like there there's there's a legitimate hockey player there it's just it's going to take a you know and maybe the change of scenery helps him it's just it's going to take a a better situation than he was in in chicago uh to get that player to emerge and i also think like there there's things he probably needs to do better himself to make that all work out um as a former player can you see martin san louis being that guy to mold out the best of kirby dak it certainly wouldn't hurt. <laughs> I mean, uh, like it's just, there's like, I, I, it's so that, that coaching thing is such a tricky thing. Cause like the Blackhawks haven't really developed much of anybody in the last five, six years. Um, Alex to bring, it's the only draft pick they've had that's been worth anything. And he pretty much developed himself. So uh, if you have a coach that is with a reputation for nurturing young talent and, and getting it to work, like there's, again, I, Marty St. Louis would seem to be a better option for that than Jeremy Colleton was in Chicago, but Jeremy Colleton doesn't have any sort of track record whatsoever. Hey, so, be nice to the Swedish hockey league here. I, I, <laughs> I always like I Jeremy Colleton, the person, he seemed like a great dude. I, I enjoyed like he would uh, off the ice. He seems like a guy I'd love to have a beer with. I just didn't enjoy Jeremy Colleton, the NHL head coach. <laughs> <laughs> 
they were better coaches in the in the SHL. They should have taken if they wanted an, an outside coach looking in. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, but just a hey, the 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 prior regime thought they were like, oh, that we we found this guy in Sweden. He's really good, so we're going to make him our head coach. And then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on what kind of you're looking for—a lottery pick or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, well, uh, w- when you look at data. It's very good. I mean, like I, I'm quoting Nathan Nice here, uh, uh, Nathan Nice uh, article uh, from from when Dach was traded uh, to Montreal. Unsurprisingly, uh, Dach's performance with good linemates uh, linemates surpasses his performance with bad ones. However, the gulf between the two extremes is shockingly wide. With Kane, Debrinket, and even Hegel, Dach put up 1.3 plus points per 60 minutes, five on five. However, with Kurochev and Kubalik, that number craters to 0.4 to 0.5 over 60 minutes. Um, this, you know, for a season, that's going to matter. Mm-hmm. Do you think he can, w- with those line mates, with maybe, you know, Uri Slavkovsky or Josh Anderson or, or Brennan Gallagher on the other side, are, are those players that could lift him or will they be players that could crater him? Well, he could. He could certainly like he has the skills to play up with top talent. Like you, like well, the thing that made him Kane and Debrinket so good is because we were talking earlier about Doc being good on the rush. Kane and Debrinket were great off the rush, well. So the three of them together, like you know, they get a quick three on two counter or something like that. Um, it often resulted in a very good scoring chance and, and often goals. Uh, anytime those guys had to like try and set up in the offensive zone, didn't work out as well. Um, Because that's when, like, the situations where Doc maybe would overthink or uh, just hesitate just enough, like, those are the instances where uh, it didn't work out as well. So if if Gallagher and uh, Josh Anderson, guys like that, like, if they're they're good players off the rush, that would be the best thing for Kirby Doc, is to find other players who can think the game, think the transition game as well as he does and as quickly as he can um, to make that all work. Because, again, those are the instances where it seemed like Doc was at his best was, uh, quick counters and all that. So if you have some forwards like that to to pair with them, that would be the best situation for Doc overall. How much lingering is there, or concern lingering is there around his his wrist injury? It seemed like it was healthy. Like I I can't. Um, well, you're a medical it, doctor, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just play one on TV. Yeah. Um, no, like it, it seemed like he was fully recovered. Like he, it seemed like they rushed him back at the end of the 2021 season, which he he broke the wrist in like right around Christmas time, and then they brought him back in like uh, that season, like carried on until May, I believe, and they brought him back in like late March, early April, and played him for a handful of games, and then shut him down, which told you that maybe he shouldn't have been back at all. Um, and then it seemed like he had a clean bill of health coming into the last season and, and he played all the way through it. Didn't have, uh, I believe he had a concussion. He had, he had, a, he missed a chunk of games at some point in last season. It wasn't related to the wrist. So he seems overall physically healthy. There's not any lingering issues uh, from last season. It's just a matter of uh, again, with, with Kirby doc, it's, it seems like it's all of a uh, confidence situation more than anything else with him. Well, you, you're, you've been a site manager for some time, but but mm-hmm. um, what do you think can be the best way to handling a, a, a uh, um, psychological issue like that or a confidence issue? Is it going to the uh, to, to the team shrink, or is it going to <laughs> to uh, finding it out somewhere else, or, or working working through it, which is maybe the 
the hockey way. Yeah, well, getting him out of Chicago is probably a good start because this the again the whole organizational situation was not very good up there. And and honestly, like one of the worst things I think that happened for Kirby Doc last season was when Kale McCarr walked right around him and uh, scored that overtime highlight goal, mm-hmm. which I can't remember when that happened. But as soon as that happened, it was like, oh great, this highlight's going to be everywhere for the next three months. And it's Kale McCarr scoring a goal, which he he makes a lot of people look bad. But when you have a young player trying to find his footing in the NHL to be on the uh, the short end of a highlight reel doesn't help anyone. So getting him out of Chicago, I think, is a good start. And I think it's just uh, it's it's putting him on the ice and just like giving him a month, you know, g- give him a good stretch of games with the same line mates. Let him build some chemistry with some guys. Um, and that gets and into make a him know that if he doesn't succeed, it's exactly. It's, yeah. It's, It's not the end of the world. And that's, that's such, you know, it gets into a little bit of like a, like a chicken and the egg argument of Mm -hmm. like, like you need the players to have, to have chemistry together, to have success, but they don't have success together. They're not going to be held, uh, kept together long enough to have chemistry. Um, And, and I guess it just kind of depends on what Montreal is looking to do this season. Like if they have the patience to give him a couple line mates that give him a month, regardless of the results in the standings, uh, and just like try and build some chemistry because there's, I, I think if you can find other players that he meshes with on the ice, that will help immensely. I, I just, they're, they're it's, uh, it, it's such a tricky thing when you're trying to talk about a player's confidence and mental makeup and all that, because, you know, there's only so much you can see from this, uh, from the TV screen, but it seems like it, with Doc, the biggest hurdle for him to get over was his own mental, his own confidence, I guess. Um. Looking, I mean, obviously, worst case scenario, AHL or trade directly out with, with the contract like that is is probably not going to happen. But but uh-huh. that's the worst case scenario. Expectations wise, best case scenario, or or, or me, maybe even a normal case scenario. What would we would considering good case scenario? What what would you expect from Kirby Dach in well, new surroundings and obviously with mm-hmm. decent teammates that he has, you know, some chemistry with, point wise or or even. You know, if we're looking at his game time, I mean, I think ideally for Kirby Doc, like the if he was going to be like a franchise cornerstone, like he was drafted number three overall, which is the same as Jonathan Taves. If he was going to be the next Taves, we would have seen that a few years ago. So I, I don't think you're going to get like the next franchise foundation out of him, most likely. I think the most ideal thing you could expect out of Kirby Doc is if he gets into a good situation and everything clicks you have your second line center for the next four years. And, and that's, that's not, you know, uh, a, a second line center clocked in at like 3.4 million for the next four years. Seems like a pretty good deal. I, and I, I think there's, there's reasons to expect him to get there. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of, it's a lot of chemistry and science behind the scenes to make that all click. But yeah, you, you could have your second line center acquired uh, for the next four years, which ain't, isn't a bad deal. No, and that's when the other centers will start to pop up as well. So, <laughs> well, yeah, well, and then if you have too many centers, I that's uh, that's up there with the best problems to have in the NHL, yeah. along with obviously the best goalie in the world being mm-hmm. going on retirement, maybe. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, uh, let's not talk about that. Let's dwell on on on, on, on the terrible <laughs> things. We're yeah. looking forward to to maybe have you on uh, before one of the uh, you know bottom bottom games for for the season with but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before the uh, two free points that Montreal collects from Chicago, because yeah. that's, they're giving away. I mean, they're they're taking a season with uh, Peter Barazic, who just had a terrible season, and uh, Alex Daylock, who's had a bunch of issues. So even if like the on ice player, their their skaters are good, like 
uh, they could be giving up four goals a night. So uh, come but to Chicago, are, we got I mean, two free points. There are a few really good bad teams going out this year. It's like that's yeah, like like Arizona's not going to be good. No, uh, like Seattle uh, is probably not going to be good. Seattle, yeah, like that's I, the thing I said earlier about like their the Hawks only drafted number one overall once in their entire franchise's history. And I believe they were sixth or seventh that year from the bottom and won the lottery to get Patrick Kane. So, you know, they, they want to take and get Connor Bedard, but Oh man, like I've got, this is, I, I hate tanking. This is my, I will uh, die on this hill of this is the worst thing about sports in America because European leagues don't do this. Cause if you tank, you get relegated. Uh, I hate that they're doing this. It goes against everything I enjoy about sports, but I understand why they're doing it, but I still hate it. <laughs> well, I, I know I've spoken to quite a few Americans uh, or Canadians playing in the SHL and they all go mm -hmm. like, it's really crazy at deadline day. You got the, you got the crap teams buying everyone <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> because yeah, they want to avoid relegation. <laughs> the, the entire, the completely different mindset because of the promotion relegation or lack yeah. thereof. It's two completely different worlds. Yeah, and, but and it's sports all yeah. the time, and and, and there are pros and, and cons with both systems. Yeah, exactly. And I, but I, and I feel like it. It's we're so far now; it'll never come to North America, and that bums me out because the more I get into the Premier League and even like the European hockey leagues, they have a Champions League. Like uh, I think it's just ongoing right now because I I've seen their yeah. the Champions League Twitter account tweeting all these highlights. Uh, I would love it, but you know, losing battle, I guess. Well, it, it would be kind of cool to have some sort of an FA Cup with the. With with yeah. the hockey teams in in uh, AHL and NHL and and uh, mm -hmm. you know get a few kind of upsets here and there and and uh, but but that's for another that's a whole other topic that we could probably dwell on for a couple of hours as well. Yes, yes, we could. Uh, we absolutely. need to bring beers for that one. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Dave, it's been a pleasure having you on, and mm -hmm. uh, we appreciate you taking the time informing you us all on. Uh, of what we can expect, maybe, and, and what we hope to see from Kirby Dak, number five on Montreal's Canadiens, top 25, under 25. We're coming back tomorrow with an even better episode. Maybe not better, but uh, <laughs> a a player we know a little bit more about. I'll, I'll yeah, leave okay. you to that. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I will. I'll, I'll, we'll have to check back in around uh, January or February and see uh, see what happened with Dak over in Montreal because I'm, I'm as curious as anybody because, as we were talking earlier, like, uh, the Hawks haven't really developed anyone lately. So Doc goes somewhere else and develops like and that'll be a further indictment against the prior regime in, in Chicago. So, well, we'll have you on around Christmas when, you know, we have that week where nothing happens. So uh, mm -hmm. we can exchange stories and uh, Christmas gifts, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there we go. A Christmas beer or two. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, then when, after we record, we watch the uh, uh, boxing day soccer together. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, now you're speaking my language. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, the last few minutes you can, well, if you haven't really stopped, you can stop now. Uh, thank you, Dave, <laughs> for joining us and uh, be sure to, to hit up Second City Hockey. Always been around uh, as, a, as a very good site uh, with their coverage for the Chicago Blackhawks. Thanks, Patrick.